Hello, friends, and welcome to a golf podcast unlike any other. This is Fairway Rollin' on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Every week on Fairway Rollin', it is myself and our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, talking all things professional golf, amateur golf, amateur betting, professional betting, amateur drinking, professional drinking by birdie buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week. Available on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Carr, joined by Benjamin Solak. Ben, hello. What's up, Kev? Steven Ruiz is here. He's got headphones. We had a couple false starts here. You're taking full responsibility, though. I like that. Yeah, I raised my hand and I. I this is what training camp's for, right? We're here to make mistakes, figure it out, get better. It's like Full when accountability. Uh, it's like when PFF like posted a Vic Beasley stat about how he was like the worst edge rusher, and his and he like quote tweeted and it was like, "Yikes!" Jamarcus <laughs> Russell saying, "Listen, if you call me a bust, you better throw the biggest on that, John. All right, baby." <laughs> That's me. Oh, Jamarcus and Vic Beasley. Did that really happen with Vic Beasley? Because yeah. he was like, oh, damn. He's like, yikes, LOL. <laughs> Hand up. Hand up. Bad season. Uh, all right. So, guys, it's about that time. Like, football is here. It's about that time. Yeah. 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 They, all the is teams are doing, all the teams are doing the whole, like, this meant, like, this jersey number many days until, like, this, you know, we start regular yeah. season football. And we are officially in, like, offensive lineman linebacker territory. All right. Once we start getting there, that's when you know. Well, it does. It's different for us because, like, I once you're going to training camp, like the season for me starts in in ten days, right? Yeah. And so it's a little bit different because you just get into it and it's a tunnel. As Bill Parcells said, Sean Payton used to say this all the time. But Bill Parcells' whole line that that Sean Payton stole was, once you get into training camp, there's a tunnel and there's no light at the end of the tunnel, right? And like that's it, and that's how mm-hmm. that teams view it. So like, you know, I don't think I think most most NFL people. Uh, their summer is over by now. Um, I'll be leaving on a training camp tour on the 23rd. Believe my first stops in Buffalo. I should probably tell Buffalo about that at some point. Hi, guys. Hi, Josh. Um, we're coming. Um, so, 
that's uh, it's, it's just, just very exciting. And like I, you know, you, you, the the thing about this time period is we start to realize how incredibly boring offseason content is, and it just flips so quickly. And we get actual things to talk about: injuries and trades and position battles. I will say, uh, beg your pardon, s- Nikhil Harry was traded yesterday. Also, right, way to sell the show today. Way to sell the show today. <laughs> no, I'm saying that we are in season mode. Uh, I'm selling the show. We're in yeah, season we're mode, baby. Yeah, we're ranking because we're in season mode. Okay. Uh, I will say the Field Yates tweet yesterday about the three quarterback competitions this summer. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett. Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold. Geno Smith versus Drew Locke. That's the stuff. Like emer- <laughs> it's emergency Straight into my veins, brother. Summer, Heck baby. yeah. Here we go. Which one's saddest? I mean, the it's, Seahawks. It, it, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's, it's the Carolina. Steelers because this is where they tried to get. Mm. They knew this was coming. And this is they, what they designed. As opposed to the Seahawks um, being like, all right, we're a little bit like, you know, you have to take a gap year here. Let's just kind of get this done or whatever. No, this is the, the Steelers tried to get somewhere and this is where they arrived. Yeah, but the Seahawks also opted into this. They had options. They could have had the, the Baker Mayfield involved here. That's what I'm saying is I'm saying like, I think the Seahawks entered 2022 with our quarterback situation is not going to be pretty. Whereas the Steelers were mm-hmm. like, Man, we're gonna get out of 2021. Roethlisberger's gonna retire, and then here we go. And there, here we go. Is Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett just duking it out in Latrobe, Pennsylvania? Love it. Here we go. Here we go. Is their their big their hashtag? Here we go. Yeah. Yep. Um. So wow. Here we go. Here we go. Steelers training uh, training camp quarterback competition. All right. So we're gonna rank defensive backs today. Top five cornerbacks. Top five safeties. Cornerbacks pretty easy. Um, it's first of all, you are I already whittle it down to let's say fifteen of. I'm not going to sit here and watch, um, you know, a couple hundred cornerbacks. Not watch all the slots, um, all that stuff. But you can look at the the people who are generally agreed upon to be the best corners in football, and you'll be generally correct. Now there's people within that you can have huge debates on. Trayvon Diggs is one of those guys where you can just look at a different way, say he's valuable. Look at it another way and say he's not valuable. Um, so it's interesting to take a look at that that position. Safety, to me, uh, almost impossible because you get into the yeah. different roles they play. You get into positional value, what's important. If you're a, a, a slot matchup, you know, basically a, 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 a cornerback on some downs, does that give you more value or less value? Like, I had a really tough time with the safety list. I'm intrigued to see where you guys go on this. Let's start with cornerbacks. Let's just do five through three. We will start. With Stephen Ruiz. All right. I'm starting with Patrick Sertain, number five. I fully expect him to be higher on this list when we do it next year. Yes. And then number four, AJ Terrell. He was kind of hard for me to slot in just because he doesn't have a, a long track record, but last year was very good, and I thought his rookie season was promising, so it's trending in the right direction. And number three for me is Jair Alexander. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't play last year, and I think that has made some people drop him on their list, but... When he plays, he's he's everything you want in a number one cornerback. He's a lockdown guy. He can travel if he needs to. He can play zoner man. I, there isn't a weakness in his game. If anything, he's just not as good as the two guys I have ahead of him on this list because of size. Uh, tell me about Sertan and why. what makes him the fifth best cornerback in football already. Uh, just how smooth he moves. Like He's just a 
his movement skills are generational, I would say. There's no wasted movement, no wasted steps, whether he's playing off or whether he's playing press, whether he's playing man, playing zone. He's he's well-trained. Like He looks like a cor- cornerback that was trained by Nick Saban for four years. Nick Saban is and the best defensive back. Whose pops was Tan the first. Yeah, yeah and yeah. his father. And his yeah. father. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, pretty good education. But I think Nick Saban is the best DB coach ever, and ever. this is one of his more impressive productions yeah i so i have sertan four and i had to work really hard to not put sertan at three and Ooh. uh i did not commit i i had when i did my rankings before i watched film yesterday i, I had him outside the top five and then the more i watched i was like oh shoot uh, <laughs> he yeah he he's, he moves he's a different cat like it's just it you watch aj Terrell move and you watch denzel ward move and you watch marshall Lattimore move and you watch marlon humphrey move and you watch trey white move and they're all Top ten corners, and then you watch Pat Sertan move, and you go, "That looks a little bit different." And it and it reminds you of the dude that we're all going to have at one, just in terms of a body that big being that explosive from those angles. It, it just it just looks a little different. And so I I only put him before, but but Sertan was the guy who like I knew he was good, and then I watched him that that week seventeen game against the Chargers, the mm-hmm. week like twelve game against the Bengals. Holy smokes, baby, he's a good football player. <laughs> So uh, go through your five through through three. So then you and Maurice uh, can start to meet each other. Yeah. Five for me is AJ Terrell. Four for me is Patrick Sertan. Three for me is Marshawn Lattimore. Um, I I there's a lot of guys who could have made it in this second tier. Terrell, I think, is, is a guy who's who's massively jumped up inappropriately. So Kevin, we were talking about him a little bit before the show. Unbelievable yeah. season for him in terms of uh, you know, yards per coverage snap allowed, connection stats, you know, uh when the closest defender from PFF, which I don't really love the closest defender stats, but like they do for, I think, corners provide like some good insight in terms of when a guy's manned up. Uh, Terrell also, I think, deserves a note. He was the only good player on the Falcons defense. It's him and yeah, Grady Jarrett. that's part right? of it. Yeah, and Dean Pease, the defense coordinator there, talked throughout the course of the year about they just had to like, change everything they did, everything they wanted to do, and they were constantly like, one week blitz heavy, one week not blitz heavy, just like trying to figure out what could really work for this team. And you saw that with Terrell in terms of like, He's just making he's making incredible on the ball plays as like a cover two corner in the flat, and that's right. like not regular. That usually when a corner is there, he is being protected from having a large responsibility. Terrell's like finding work. He's baiting Tom Brady into throws and then breaking up passes to Mike Evans. Like it's it's really impressive stuff. Talked already about Sertan and then Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, Lattimore had that unbelievable dawn uh, in his first couple of of, mm-hmm. of years, right? That rookie season and then that sophomore season. Got injured and I think needed more time to get back up to 100% than we allowed for. Watching him back now, this 2021 film was was much more reminiscent of like the 2017, 2018 film, where you're like that he is uh, aggressive without being risk prone, which is really really difficult to do. Uh, he can cover a wide variety of of receivers all in man coverage, right? I think like a lot of these outside man cover guys are good, but it's clear, like, all right, they're at their best against these guys. Like, Sertan, for example, struggles a little bit with the top route runners, right? So a little bit like the really shifty guys. Lattimore's just quick enough for the, the Hunter Renfro's. He's big enough for the Mike Evans and everything in mm-hmm. between, which is, is really, really impressive. And then the last thing about Lattimore is, uh, the, the like I think Terrell can be a little bit picky as a tackler, and I think Sertan is high effort, but isn't the best tackler. Lattimore is, is big, physical, can hit you, and he can, he can bring you down in critical situations. And run defense absolutely matters in the modern NFL for a corner. So that's my five through three. Who's the best run defender cornerback? It's Jalen. Overall, Ramsey. Yeah. It's Jalen. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. He's a linebacker. Number, he's number a linebacker. two. Number two, by the way. 
We've is, played linebacker for us yeah. sometimes. Number two, by the way, is five foot eleven, 190 pounds, Denzel Ward, who I wanted more than anything in the world to get on this list because I love him to death. Uh, actually, Jair's probably up there too, Frick. Um, yeah. yes. But there's my Denzel Ward shout out that I wanted to get in. Moving on. <laughs> you know, it's because it's a top five list. I'm not going to get upset that you're just going to start naming guys on Thank the outside. You, so Denzel, I also really like Denzel Ward and I wanted to, to do something with him. Um, so I want to argue about AJ Terrell here for a second. I think you have to give him points for being the best player on the Falcons by a wide margin. Um, Kevin, you might be the best player. player on the Falcons right now. It's AJ, Grady Jarrett, and then who's the third best player on the Falcons, Ruiz? Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Oh, Kyle, excuse me. So, I, all right. I, I was thinking the other side of the ball. Great, great shout. And Kyle Pitts is probably the second best player on the Falcons. Yeah. So, the building blocks are there. 49 guys to go. You're better um, than Grady Jarrett. Give yourself some credit. I agree with that. Um, no, we lo- we have we have massive respect for the Falcons yes, roster. We here. Do. Bo- bottom three roster. Oh, bottom bottom one <laughs> with <roster>. a bullet. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's ugly. Uh, is anybody else who's in the mix there? Uh, Texans roster is still really yeah. bad. Uh, there was another one I was looking at the other day. Jaguars is bad. Offensive. Still too. Jaguar, yeah, yeah, Jaguars is bad. A little, I just think they're they're a little bit upgraded. They're out of that zone. The bottom two zone. So bottom 10. Yeah. I think they're bottom five, but. Yeah. Um, all right. But AJ Terrell, 43% completion percentage against. No. Eh, sorry. No, but brought, this does not fine. matter anymore. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Keep going. Um, looking at the metrics, looking at the tape first, but then the metrics second. Um, and, you know, so like we talked a little bit a couple months ago about finding the next generation of superstars and, and AJ Terrell. Is offline. We talked about that. Um, and AJ Terrell was the first person that we brought up. And when I look at some of the metrics here, 43% completion percentage against best in the NFL, but nobody else is below 50% in the NFL among players who played 50% of the snaps last year. Um, 6.9 yards per reception, best in the NFL. By the way, Lattimore is second most in the NFL when he allows a catch as far as yards. Um, this is different style of play, different player, yeah. all that stuff. Thought it was interesting. Um, second best NFL rating against AJ Terrell. Second best snaps per target. To me, playing cornerback is what the ball does. How often it comes to you, what happens when it does come to you. Uh, and when that happens, AJ Terrell is a top three guy for me. I my here's my thing. And now I'm gonna sound like I'm hating on AJ Terrell. I think he's a really good player. Uh and I think he's fantastic in zone like like Solak says, he just finds work. He's like a great like defensive midfielder in soccer. He just knows mm-hmm. where to position himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think positioning is like his biggest strength. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy that shadows people and covers them one-on-one in man coverage. I think it's, he's like a Richard Sherman who never really had that lockdown thing. And that was like a point of contention whenever there was debates between about him and Patrick Peterson and Darrell Revis. And I do think that kind of pads his, his numbers a bit. And we saw that with Richard Sherman where he never really got targeted, but he also played zone. He played a lot of cover three. So he was really never going to get targets just because of the nature of that coverage, unless they were throwing deep balls. And they weren't going to do that because Richard Sherman is Richard Sherman. So he, I, he, he was he was top 20 in man coverage last year. Are you talking about the, 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 the not shadowing part of it? I mean, when I watch him on film, I don't think he's that he's like a dominant man quarter. I think he's very, very good at it. And I think he's a dominant zone corner. I just don't think he's on the level of the Marshawn Lattimore's or the Jalen Ramsey's. And that's, that's just like my preference for cornerbacks is I like the, like those bully man corners. 
And I don't think AJ Terrell is there, but I think he's very good. I think he's like an elite corner already. I will say that. I hate coverage stats. I think they're the worst thing. I think they're so misleading. I think they don't tell you anything about a player. I mean, that's not true. They tell you something about a player. I just think they're so totally flawed. And they only capture like 10% of a player's snaps in his performance. Like a lot happens on the snaps where a corner doesn't get targeted. I think those are actually more important than the snaps where he does get targeted. Sure. So, I, so, so we, we've gone back and forth about the PFF coverage stats in particular because, again, I, I, 10% seems about right because there's just some things that aren't measured when nothing happens on a given play. Having said that, if, if you're just taking the things that happen, which is completion percentage against what happens when a guy actually catches the ball, how much a ball, the ball is thrown to them, like those to me seem like more real metrics. And AJ Terrell is at worst bottom two in the league, and nobody else has that level of consistency in my book. Not in my book, in Matt's book. (laughs) The the consistency thing to me is tough because it is always like a one-season sort of a thing, right? Like, I tend to be, like, Terrell had a really, really good season. And, like, I have Patrick Sertan and Terrell top five, so talking out of both sides of my mouth here. Um, I do, like, you know, if he's going to be a perennial, like, bottom five in yards per coverage snap allowed, which to me, like, or, yeah, yeah, yards per snap allowed. To me, like that's interesting. To me, that's sticky. To me, that's something that, that I'm going to rank and is going to push him up for me. I largely do agree with Steven. Like, anytime I see any sort of like yards allowed when the nearest coverage defender, yeah. I just immediately throw that John out. Like, that, that, that to me, just I don't know how to calibrate to that. I don't know what closest defender means well, relative to like, yeah. responsibility. And, and, and that's a lot of the, that's a lot of the next gen stat stuff, which is really hard to calibrate. And, and is part of the reason I think that it's, right. it's failed to catch on in the mainstream is because, not only do kind of casual viewers not understand what it means or know how to quantify that or what's good or what's bad, but like I think even journalists and analysts yeah. like us are kind of just like, eh, I don't know about right. that one. Like it's what better will, to me. Yeah. Go ahead. I think on the receiver side, it's more valuable where it's like this guy on average is yes. open by blank, but even that is all about how defenses play yeah. you. Oh, that what the root looks like, what he's being asked. But at to least do. it's a little, I learn a little more from the receiver side stats on the next gen stuff. No, yeah, I would so, agree with that. I just think there's like too much nuance in coverage. Like if Jalen Ramsey's playing cover one, he's playing outside leverage because he has help inside and they run an inside slant on him, he's going to give up a catch. And that's not on him. That's on the play call. He did what he was supposed to do. And I, I don't know when you're like, when you're Jalen Ramsey, for instance, and you you gave up a 137.5 pass rating in the Super Bowl because you gave up mm-hmm. two big plays when you were targeted. But every other snap, he did a really good job on the on those receivers for the Bengals. And it's not going to yeah. show up in the numbers. That's why I just hate any type but of coverage. Playing stats. corner is just the worst position to play. It sucks. It's horrible. It's just, hey, be extremely good for 59 plays. Be less than extremely good for two plays. And everyone's going to hate you forever. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just not. It, That's it, true. It is a horrible, sad position that we do not know how to uh, react to correctly as football consumers. And also, I think, uh, quantify well as football data analysts or whatever. My Have last thing. Been- Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. My last thing on Terrell, just to like, you know, finish yeah. at that point, is that one of the ways that I think we are failed by things like, you know, yards per coverage, snap, and whatever, is the fact that if I were facing the Falcons, and on one side they were playing AJ Terrell, right. and on the other side they were playing, does anyone here know who their corner two was? I'm going to look it up. Do you know? It's, yeah. it's, Fab- it's, Fab- it's Fabian Moreau. Oh. Yeah, um, Isaiah Oliver was out for most of the year, right? So that's where we are all at, us professional football people, about Falcons corner two. I am just inherently choosing not to throw the ball to A.J. Terrell. Right. I, I, 
I am comfortable enough like 30 of 32 NFL offenses have enough pass-catching weapons. They have a, a sufficient wide receiver, too, to say, we're just going to throw it at the other guys, man. There's, we don't got to do, we don't got to deal with this guy. Um, and I am interested to see what Terrell looks like when challenged more frequently mm-hmm. in man coverage. They'll have, because, they'll have Casey Hayward this year. Yes. And one of the things about Casey Hayward is talking about different play styles. Hayward is a very strong, discouraged targets player. Always has been. Where the way he he goes to play man coverage, he like undercuts a bunch a bunch of routes. He gets up in the hip pocket of guys. He takes risks because he he doesn't. He's not like the longest biggest dude, and so he tries to make receivers look covered so yes. so quarterbacks don't try him. Uh, and I'm very curious to see what it looks like for Terrell. To Stevens' point of like, I think he's a really good man coverage player. I'm not sure he's a Jalen Ramsey, Marshall Lattimore man coverage player. And I think we'll we'll know more about that when he gets targeted more. Quarterbacks throwing to wide receiver ones. When Terrell is in man coverage with them, when it looks like they're covered, when they're challenging at the catch point, because the alternative is no longer some dude, that it's just always better to throw it that direction. And and I would just add to Ben's point, it's so much easier for teams to choose to throw to at Fabian Moreau because AJ Terrell is parked on the left side. He played 126 right. snaps on the left side and only 21 on the right side. So I could just put Mike Evans on the on the on the other side of the field and get a better matchup rather than putting. So I think that kind of like gives him credit for discouraging targets when maybe that wouldn't be the case if he did travel with those top receivers more often. I think he'd see a lot more targets. How many left targets did he have? I don't know about left targets, but he had 826 snaps on the left and 21 on the right. Okay. By the way, the other difference in case they were to see played more zone coverage than anybody in football last year. Shout out Gus Bradley, baby. (laughs) 71%. 71%. Only player in the NFL over 70% in Did zone coverage. Did you go through your 5-3-3? Three, three? Mm-hmm. Doing it right now. Um, so I, I want to argue about somebody. But I because I have Terrell higher, um, I wanted to just start arguing that. Um, I have at 5, J.C. Jackson. Mm. So I think it's somebody who, and again, this is an imperfect thing because we're probably, I, I think we probably do 50% last year, 50% this year when, when we're, when we're looking at this. And this is a guy who I think, I think this Chargers defense is going to be wonderful and great and exciting this year. Um, second most man coverage in the NFL last year. We know what playing cornerback for Bill Belichick looks like. You want to talk about the educational process, Steven, like you get that in, in New England. Um, probably didn't get it at the University of Florida and then Maryland. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that that education process goes at those places. Um, <laughs> it's pretty but, good. Uh, just to go back to um, the stats you guys hate, when he's in man coverage, he has a top five rating. Um, third best rating overall in the NFL. Top 10 in completion percentage. Consistent guy who played a very difficult role is getting paid like it created turnovers um, at a clip that I think is is pretty impressive. And I think there, there's a pretty good case that he is top 10. And I just wanted to throw him in here because I think he deserves recognition. He's in my top 10. And I think what he means to the Chargers, like his value to the Chargers specifically outweighs his talent level, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to matter a lot because they needed a guy that, a corner that just wouldn't get bullied when he's isolated. And there isn't a quarterback a cornerback more scrappy than J.C. Jackson. That guy loves a fight. He's like if Brandon Browner was good. That's like, and had ball skills. That, that's my comp for him. Do you remember when Brandon Browner was thought to be good? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you line up Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, yeah. Cam Chancellor, Walter Thurmond, and a 
any son of a gun. Man, that guy's going to look real good. And those there was like a two-year period where he was, there was like a six-week period in 2011 where he was spoken in the same breath as Richard Sherman. Yeah. And then that, that no one, th- this is actually a, a kind of a funny study. I've actually talked about this a million times um, when asked about it because it was a good lesson for me early in my career. Scouts and coaches had no idea early on how to assign credit to the Legion of Boom. And so you, there was like, there'd be these six week periods where it's like, oh, actually, Richard Sherman is a fraud. And it, well, actually, Ruiz still thinks that. But, um, but then, no, then I don't. like, <laughs> I love Richard Sherman. Like, it actually, it was really interesting to talk because 2012 was my first year on the beat. And it was really interesting to talk to scouts and press boxes and stuff because that's all they wanted to talk about. A, because scouts love defense and they were the only team playing defense back then, um, like the actual true old school pass defense. But then also, it was just, there was such talent back there. Um, that I think that we it took a long time to for everyone to figure out how important the safeties were. I know that sounds completely reductive, but you had to be there. Like some of these scout conversations were incredibly stupid back then. Listen, talk about lessons learned. There was a football team that decided to pay Byron Maxwell like forty million over five years, and there was a fan of that football team who was really stoked about corner one Byron Maxwell coming in, just dominating baby. And then it turns out. <laughs> And if you take the man out of Seattle, it was so it just looks a little different. It was Before, so funny that that training camp because Maxwell was like, "Yeah, in Seattle, we only had to like really worry about two routes, just go routes and post routes, and everything else we just didn't have to worry about." And I was like, "Oh my god!" He admitted that he's a product. He of said the it. System. He said it. He said it out loud. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward. Because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Before he signed there, all the Philly writers would corner him at the Super Bowl and he would just just stoke the flames in a really funny way. I think the exact, I have to look it up. I think the exact phrase was, I'm the bell of the ball in free agency. And the Philly writers are like, yes, you are. You're going to come save Philadelphia. And it happened. I will forever remember Byron Maxwell as standing at his locker, hearing the, the stats Julio Jones put up against him and going, wow. It's a Vic Beasley <laughs> moment. Did it, man. He was like, oh, it's a lot. I respect <laughs> it. God damn. Didn't they also sign? Was that, that was after they signed Kerry that Williams? That was post. Right? What's that again? Kerry Williams. Remember that? No, I thought you were talking about Namdi. I was like, no, no, no. no. Nomdi's a different category, but Nomdi's yeah. also a good example of somebody who they weren't yes. throwing at because they didn't have to. And then yeah. it was like, oh, Nomdi hasn't been thrown at in whatever, you know, 90 snaps. And it's like, okay, well. Yeah, we should see what he throw looks at like him, when they throw the ball not, at him. Pretty interesting to see how that, that goes, big of a problem. It's actually not that big of a problem. <laughs> so since, since, <laughs> we're here and doing, since we're here and doing the DB pot, who, who was the most important player in the Legion of Boom? My, I'm still at uh, right. Earl uh, Thomas. Okay. Earl. Earl Thomas. Oh, no. I was going to do like a countdown. We were all going to say it. We were Pete, all say Pete Earl. Carroll? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's Earl. <laughs> it's Pete. Yeah. It, Pete. It's, it goes it's Earl, and then Bobby, and then Cam, 
And then I have a question. No, 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 no. Wait. You're, you, see, you th- you think I thought Richard Sherman was a fraud? I was thinking. I think I was going to put Sherman at four. I would put Sherman at three. I would put Bobby at two. You forget what Cam was in terms of like. Uh, oh, I love run Cam. defense. I, he should have won MVP when they won the Super Bowl. That was like one of the yeah. greatest box safety performances I've ever seen. Hmm. Teams took teams a long time to decide that throwing over the middle is worth it against cover three, and though, like, on paper, that's always worth it. And it took him a long time because Cam just scared the living bejesus out of everybody. If Kevin, if Kevin thinks like the too high hype is funny, imagine being uh, listening to back then yeah. when everyone was raving about cover three. Yeah, man. It's like, oh, well, cover three. Innovation. Well, and, the then signed Jerry I, and then we were like, we're going we're gonna to take all the cover three guys and make them head coaches. And that'll be fine. <laughs> it did not work. We're get, it all did we need not is a, work. We need a good free safety, and then we could just draft crappy uh, big cornerbacks in, on day three, and everything will be fine. Good I work. think that sometimes, I think sometimes people like us get accused of just being a little bit, certainly made, like a little bit smarmy about like the place, like how we view football as opposed to people inside football. And part of that is coming up through those sort of eras, like 2012, 2013, 2014, where the entire league was. There's no delicate way to put this. Hugely stupid about certain things. Like, yes. hugely stupid about certain things. And so, like, I'm, yeah. like, 27 years old and being like, I think you're, I don't think you're right about this. And then, like, in a weird way, in that era, I was more correct. Like, just yes. because of how flat-footed every franchise was. And now, I think, honestly, and the reason I think we all have a little more humility is because the, the by and large, most organizations have gotten much, much smarter. I also I, I think about that all the time in terms of quarterbacks, where the league saw Brady, Manning, and Breeze, and they were like, "Oh, we can go get one of those." And then they were just out here drafting wild. Like when you look back at like late two thousands, early twenty twenties, first round quarterback picks, like what were you people thinking? But J- we didn't J. know. J. The, yeah, we. I, I don't want to name names because some of these folks are like in sports media. But come on now, and. Now I think we've seen like what big arms and mobility does, but it took us a long time to realize like, oh, if the quarterback can move, that's pretty good. That's sick, man. Are you saying Malik Willis should have been drafted higher? I mean, yeah. Well, the whole thing was about the reason the quarterback wasn't allowed to move in 2009 was because the whole thing was quarterback injuries. No owner. It was the, I remember Hugh Jackson saying this. No owner is going to pay $30 million, $20 million for a quarterback and let him get hurt. So then he's going to become a pocket passer. It's like, well. Here's the thing about Sam Bradford now. You're <laughs> <laughs> just moving around constantly. Listen, Car- man. Carson, <laughs> Carson Palmer, famously not injured. <laughs> famously, famously not injured. Um, he only, listen, he only got hurt because he was standing there. Okay. Like if yeah. he had, you know, just standing. That's the thing about quarterbacks that move. They often get out of the way. (laughs) All right. And we're running out of bounds, for instance. Safe play. That was the thing about, wasn't, didn't Lamar take like less damage than anybody in history in his MVP year because of how often he ran out of bounds? Turns out these guys know how to play football. And also like the the stat, because we're so out of the reservation right now, but the people keep putting up like the Lamar Jackson's been the most contacted quarterback over the last like two or three years stat. And that stat drives me insane because yeah, that's because of how many tackles he's breaking. The reason he's so contacted right. is because the first three guys who touch him don't well, tackle also, him. No, but that's also because he has the ball in his hands all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, he's getting hit a lot. No, he's not. He's getting swiped by the right. forearm of some 245-pound linebacker who has no idea what's happening. 
Well, it's a bit, I mean, like Kyler Murray's a bit like that too, where he yeah. knows how to take either either fall down or run out of bounds. Like he he does that, yeah. but then the numbers are still right. high because he has the ball in his hands a lot. That's just what happens. Yeah. He's going to finish the play with the ball in his hands more than Tom Brady is. I will say for me, Kyler's a little bit jumped the shark. Kyler's a little bit too far. Or sometimes yeah. like Kyler. You gotta the forward is the direction. He like, gets the yards are that way. He like sits on his butt. He like just flops <laughs> down like a, he's like a kindergartner. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm doing uh JC Jackson five, Lattimore four, AJ Terrell three. Let's do two and one, Steven Ruiz. Uh Marshawn Lattimore and Jalen Ramsey. I think Jalen Ramsey should be everyone's number one. Anyone who doesn't have Jalen Ramsey at number one and hasn't had him over like the last, I would say since 2017. It's just, they're thinking about it too much. I feel like yeah. there's been so many threats to his cornerback uh, one title and people would, it's like the cooler thing. It's like, actually, no, Stefan Gilmore's better. Oh, I actually know Jair Alexander's better. I actually know AJ Terrell's better. None of you guys have ever been better than Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> he's been the best quarterback since he's entered the league. I, it probably took him until his second year to become the best cornerback. But just a perfect player. Perfect football player. He could play any position, but he has the mindset to play corner, so I'm glad that's the one he played. He is built to play the cornerback position, both mentally and physically. His athleticism, his size, just that the arrogance. I, I, the I can't think of... Yeah. I, he's the best cornerback in NFL history. I, I have no problem saying that. I, I, I feel very confident. The cornerbacks that compare to him, like Deion Sanders and Darrell Rivas, they weren't tackling like him. They weren't making an impact in every single phase of the game. The, their coaches couldn't go, hey, you know what, let's play him at uh, box safety for today and then and let him just blow up uh, the 49ers scheme. Jalen uh, Ramsey can do that. He, I think he's the best He's the best cornerback ever. I think he's the best defensive back ever, maybe. He's an upgraded okay. version of Charles Woodson, is what I would I want. I, I want to get into the best defensive back ever discussion here in a second. But first, I want to do something called Reading. It's from ESPN.com's top cornerbacks list, which I like, and I think it's useful to see how executives view it. It's also really funny, like a guy will be first, and then the first quote will be like, yeah, I hate this guy's tape, but, you know, yeah. he's still the best best corner. It's like, what? Um, still the best safety in the league. Uh, anyway, Jalen Ramsey is ranked number one, obviously. His lowest ranking by an executive was seventh. It was Gus Bradley. <laughs> here's the quote. There's the only I, explanation. Here's the quote. I think he's falling off and a little overrated at this point. Super Bowl to me is an indication of what it's going to look like moving forward. Stephen Ruiz. A fireable quote. If you're in personnel, <laughs> I'm not, that's not even a bit. Like if you are in player evaluation and you say that about Jalen Ramsey, you should be fired. You should not have a job in player evaluation. I, I, it's an insane take. Like, it's... You have never watched football before. That's like saying Aaron Donald is washed up. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Even based on the tape of the Super Bowl alone. Ah, oh, This is why I hate coverage stats. It's... And it, this directly leads to that I type of tape. Whoa, 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 whoa. I guarantee you, the guy who says that the tape shows that Jalen Ramsey's overrated is not looking at completion rate on PFF. I guarantee you he's not watching the tape either if he comes to that conclusion. Well, that's true, but none of these guys yeah. watch the tape. Ramsey well, did allow 60% yeah. completion uh, percentage against when the next closest defender. <laughs> not great. 
It's a different category. What? So the most generous interpretation of this is at the Super Bowl. He got got a couple of times, I guess. I I remember. I remember saying. I remember saying in the post game show that we recorded, like in the stadium. It wasn't Ramsey's best game. Like Ramsey had some bad plays. Right. And then I remember watching like the ultimate two back the next day and tweeting out like, hey, everybody should ignore anything I said about Jalen Ramsey during the pod. Because like I on a very casual brush of that game, I think it is an easy right. thing to believe that Ramsey had one of his what a poor game of, of of memory. When you sit down and watch it, it doesn't hold up. It was actually pretty good. He prevented yeah, a touchdown on the first drive by breaking up a, a pass in the end zone, like a, an amazing play to break it up. He caused the sack on one third down by just swallowing up uh, Jamar Chase yeah, on, oh, he on had, a he go had that ball. Third and short where he just left his route and just sat on Chase. Just obnoxious. Yes, yeah, level yeah. Of film study. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> that's just a complete misunderstanding of how the sport works. Thinking that. And the, the plays he gave up, the two plays he gave up, the T. Higgins play, the guy grabbed his face mask and threw him to the ground. Good play. Is that Always what it's going to look like going forward? If that's the case, then I agree. Jalen Ramsey isn't going to be as good as he was. Ben, 2-1. So, yeah, for me, my my top two were in a separate tier, and that's Jair Alexander at two, and then Jalen Ramsey at one. Me too. Uh, Ball knowers yeah. on this side of the Zoom. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I'm fine with Lamar. It doesn't really bother me too much. Uh, Jair is maybe maybe it's a little bit of like a nerd take, maybe it's a little bit of like a, an aesthetic thing. But as a long time like lover of Trey White, who I think is really good and like could yes. have been top five if he was healthy. Whatever, Shout out Trey White. I would have told you that like a predominant zone corner, a zone heavy corner, can only be so good in the league. It can only rank so high, and then Jair continued to evolve into what he is now, which like he was playing a ton of press early in his career. But then with Joe Barry, they've asked him to play more zone. And for him to be as impactful as he is in terms of taking away one route and then taking away another route, really, really unique player in terms of his ability to like play top down and like fill this window and then fill that window with timing, with flow, like like knowing how a quarterback's going to process and rhythm out these route concepts. Uh, like the, I always remember the interception he had against Garoppolo and George Kittle where we all like sat down as film guys and tried to figure out what the call was that got him from one quarter of the field to the opposite quarter of the field. And there, it just wasn't a call. It was just, he knew what was happening. Like his, Mm -hmm. his field vision, his field sense, unparalleled, unmatched, unbelievable. And then he plays man coverage at as high of a level as, as anybody else does. And like, you know, he's a little bit smaller and so, okay, you can't put him against the tight ends, but like you can put him in the slot and feel better about him there than any other corner not named Jalen Ramsey. And that's hugely yeah. uh, to the Packers' benefit. So Alexander, to me, deserves to be uh, that 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 second guy, that incredible corner who, in any other positional group, yes, would certainly be a conversation for number one overall. But when you have Jalen Ramsey up there, it's, like Steven said, not really much of a conversation altogether. Yeah, I would, I would say that uh, Jair is the only one that's close to Ramsey in terms of disruption that they create mm-hmm. at the catch point. Great, great way He makes it. plays yeah. outside of his assignment. Yeah. Like Jalen Ramsey, I don't think any other corner on this list does it quite. And like both Jair. both in run defense too, where it's like we got everything yeah, blocked yeah. the way we wanted it to. We got our running back one on one against the corner. Frick, it's Alexander. Frick, RPO killers. Yeah, RPO yeah, yeah, killers. Great yeah. right way of putting it. All right, let's get to this. Is Jalen Ramsey the best defensive back of all time, Ben Solak? I I don't know how to answer that. Um, my scope for like historical play is just not good. I don't have a, enough of an understanding of like just how good 
Darrell Rivas was and just how good Deion Sanders were. It's a different era. This is yeah. truly like everybody's 10 years ago, everybody said it was the basketball and grass era and that wasn't true. And now mm-hmm. it's insanely true. It, it is a different sport for a, a cornerback who is going against really great receivers every week. Yeah. So I like, that's the thing is like, I always struggle with those questions because I just don't have the the background for them that people who just like watch the sport for longer, cover the sport for longer and remember that era and have a hook in that era do. Tell you, Ramsey, let me tell you something. I, I know a lot of those people and they don't know much more than you do. Yeah. I think that uh, Ramsey is the second best defensive player of this generation behind Donald. I think that mm-hmm. Ramsey is the best defensive back that I have a living memory of having seen twice. So that includes Revis. Um, but to me, like him versus Dion, him versus Woodson, I don't really know how to how to calibrate to that. If Steven says Ramsey's the best of them, I generally trust Steven on these things. I, I mean, I wasn't watching Deion Sanders in his prime. I wasn't really <laughs> watching Charles Woodson in his prime. I watched a lot of ESPN Classic. I did do that. But the one thing is, I think Dion and Revis are probably better, like, pure coverage guys than him. But they couldn't tackle. Like, Deion Sanders, it was like a bit that he just didn't tackle. He didn't even try to tackle. Yeah. And Darrell and he, Revis, like, I think, was kind of He made a joke. It, like, he really did. He was just, like, business decision. He, he perfected the art of explaining why he wasn't going to tackle. And Ramsey has just gone the complete other way. He's like, I'm blowing up every receiver I get a chance to hit. I will say, I think I might respect the Deion Sanders approach more than the Jalen Ramsey approach, just in terms of, like, vibes. I do. When, when Greedy Williams was coming out, the, the knock on him was that he couldn't tackle, and John Dorsey, who, who does know ball, um, was asked about it and said, not paying him to tackle. Which well, I think is I, a pretty good, but I don't think no, that's I, tr- true anymore. Though yeah. is it like I, you I, said? I, the I, game. Don't, I don't think it's. I'm just saying that that there's a viewpoint of that in the league. I mm-hmm. think that if you can tackle, you should tackle. No, no, I agree, and I I think I had the same viewpoint on greedy at the time. But I think the league has changed where now that we are they are playing a lot more too high. Those corners have to tackle. Those corners sometimes are a lot of the times are the force players on the edge of the uh, of those run plays, and they have to tackle. And having Jalen Ramsey changes the math for you because yeah. Offensive coordinators, what they like to say is like, make the corner tackle. You don't want to yeah. do that with Jalen Ramsey because he's gonna he's gonna hit you. He's gonna hit you hard, and the ball might come out. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. Let's move on to our top 10 safeties, an impossible list. I don't want to do, because we have so many different ways to attack this, let's just do five through one and then get into the nitty-gritty there over the next 15 minutes. Uh, So, like, we'll start with you. Yeah, so it's funny. Like, Kevin, you hated this because it's so difficult. I love this because these things stress me out. And safeties, I was like, there's no rules. Like, they're all good, and they all do different things. I just get to pick the five that I like the most, and everything is defensible and justifiable. So, number five. Antoine Winfield Jr. Four for me is Justin Simmons. Three for me is Kevin Byard. Uh, my again, like I have a little bit of a break, and then my top two are two Minka Fitzpatrick and one Derwin James. Uh, yeah. I would, the you know, well, I'm sure we're talking about these guys, uh, 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 you know, in terms of our, our relative rankings. But I really value versatility. It's important to me that a guy is able to do different things. Um, I don't lo- like to me ball production for a safety is really not super important. It's so situational. But for guys like Bayard and Simmons, who are the two leading play on the ball safeties of the last three years, there is a proven, you know, there's there's a longevity there where it's like Bayard's ball skills are legit. Like Bayard is an incredible catcher of the football. And that does matter because he's turning a couple PBUs and a couple of tip drills a year into actual interceptions. That's an actual possession. So like when it comes to a guy like Bayard, who's just objectively like really good at catching the football mm-hmm. and most defensive backs aren't, 
that does matter. So that gives them a little bit of a boost there. Um, and then like the range of things your you your capabilities open up for your defense is to me like critical, right? I, I think that we're seeing in in, in league, uh, however talented and versatile your safeties are describes how much you're going to be able to do defensively. What's the menu that you can build out in terms of coverages? It's your safeties and also your, your Mike Backer in that regard. Uh, that's like that's like the story behind the Buffalo Bills. Where it's like neither Jordan Poyer nor Micah Hyde will make this list, but the fact that both are really good and both are really versatile just opens up the entire world for Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott. And so, I, for go ahead. But are you saying that they're not going to make your list or they shouldn't make a list? Because I have Micah Hyde fifth. Oh, bravo. Well done. I They didn't make my list. And it's just because okay. I think like, who are the good safeties? They're not there. Like I think they're top ten guys. But it, it's it's the fact that you have a Micah Hyde and a Jordan Poyer, yes. and they've been playing together for multiple seasons. That yes. gives you this really wide menu of cover of, of coverage variety because they can communicate, they can see things, they know how the other is going to react to certain things, they know how to color in the lines around each other, so on and so forth. Um, so I really valued players that I wanna, kind of give you. I want to make you angry by pointing out that Micah Hyde is number one in the NFL in something Next Gen Stats made up called ball hawk percentage. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Um, Sounds very kudos, useful. Kudos to Micah. Um, That's uh, not so why. I didn't know that until just now. I just yeah. I just Googled Next Gen Stats and Micah Hyde just to make you guys angry. Uh, because I really value a safety's ability to magnify the rest of their team, that puts yes. Minka and Derwin just in a different air. Yeah. Uh, I know Derwin's banged up. Derwin probably is not the athlete I still remember him as, to be honest. Like I would understand if 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 somebody's anticipating a bit of a Derwin downturn just with the amount of injuries he's endured. But with that said, there is no safety in the league that I feel more confident putting anywhere on the field and expecting a high caliber play than Derwin James. Outside corner, inside corner, box, apex, blitz, strong safety, deep safety, doesn't matter. And then Minka is is the skeleton key for all everything the Steelers do defensively, right? Their entire package of, of simulated pressures and, and and rotations and coverages is all based off the idea of like, all right, this Terrell Edmonds cat is okay. Like he's fast and he's big. Joe Hayden's getting a little old, but he can still hang. All right, Cameron Sutton's a good nickel. But it really, we're just, we're just going to move everybody around and we're just going to ask Minka to cover everything that's left, right? Like PFF graded Minka quite poorly and... To me, that is a mistake. And I think the reason why that happens is because Minka is so often the closest defender, is so often the first guy to the ball because the Steelers ask him to do more than any other team asks any other back seven defender to do. He just has to fly around the field and, and process on the fly. He calls checks. like He's, he's, the, he's the quarterback of the defense in the truest sense of, of, of the phrase. Uh, and so to me, he belongs up there as well. So we've mentioned everybody who was an all-pro last year so far. Kevin Byard, Jordan, we uh, mentioned Jordan Poyer, uh, Derwin James, Micah Hyde, Justin Simmons. Did not mention Buda Baker. Mm-hmm. So, Buda and Antoine Winfield, to me, were a really tough situation. I, I Buda, to me, is, is six. I selected Winfield because I do think that in, in terms of pure coverage, who do I want on third down lined up against the guy? I do prefer Winfield to Buda. Uh, with that said, uh, both Vance Joseph and, and Todd Bowles, very blitz-heavy teams. Both Buddha and Antoine Winfield, the ability to play three safety positions and the ability to be effective blitzers at small size, really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. So very similar players, slight edge to Winfield, could not be less perturbed by somebody having Buddha over him. I would say I don't have Buddha on my list, but I do want to say I think when he signed that contract, we kind of criticized him for his his coverage skills, which I think missed the point with him. Like 
tackling's been become underrated for some reason. Like that's how you end every play is you have to tackle the ball carrier. And I don't think there's a safety that covers more ground as a tackler than Buda Baker. And that's like a very valuable skill set that he has, even if he isn't the greatest player in coverage, even if he isn't Minka or Derwin in coverage. That I do think he's underrated. And I think I even underrate him because that's his his biggest strength. There's a uh, quote from an executive here about Kevin Byard saying, I wanted to put him number one, but didn't, which is extreme Solak behavior. Yeah. Jeremy Fowler accidentally called up Ben Solak and asked him about safeties. <laughs> I wanted to put him number one, and I didn't. Just wait till you uh, hear my list. I have eight people in my top five. No, I, yeah, yeah, boy. It's the correct way I, to do it. I cheat it. I cheat it. I, I uh, rank the Bills' safeties as one entity. And I put them at number five. And I tied them with Simmons and Winfield. Oh, my God. You should be embarrassed. Wait a second. There's not only a four-way tie, but but one of those entities, you're trying to count as as one thing. Yeah. I I admitted it. Like we we covered at the beginning of the podcast. I I own my incompetence. I was supposed to do a top five list. But I got those guys because I feel like they're all like in that same style of safety they're going to play a lot of too high and they're going to come down and drop into the box and make plays and i think they're they're good at coverage this and I is think they're smart safety. simmons poyer hyde and winfield winfield yeah yes you're killing, those... the, you're killing the ringer social team ruiz ah sorry i just put simmons <laughs> forget the bill safeties just no, put simmons uh but no but my my top four though this is this is what i care about i put marcus williams and i put kevin byard yeah four and three. I wanted those two guys together because I think they're the preeminent middle of the field, center field type safeties. Mm-hmm. And I, Marcus Williams is very good. I, I don't know if his reputation is caught up to his skill level, but when you watch him on tape, man, he is a smart safety. He's not Ed Reed. Like, he doesn't have that range and he's not that smart, but he's like 60% of Ed Reed, which is still like the fourth best safety in the NFL right now. So... I have him on the list. I wanted to give him some love. And then my top two is Mink and Derwin. I know Derwin's been hurt, but there's nobody in the league, no safety in the league that can do what he does. He's a, a singular talent. 6'3", he 220. He's absurd. basically, he's Jalen Ramsey if Jalen Ramsey was a little bigger and played safety. Hmm. Um, I am, okay. I'm glad you have Marcus Williams there because I think uh, Marcus Williams deserves, deserves mention as that sort of a dude. Very interested to see what he looks like in Baltimore. Very interested to see what all that works as. I am also glad because I don't think anybody has Jesse Bates in the top five. Kevin, no? Nope. Yeah. Jesse Bates has Jesse Bates in the top five. Right. And that's the thing is this Jesse Bates franchise tag situation is, I think, a direct response to the Marcus Williams contract. And uh, that guy's making $70 over five. I can make him more than $70 over five. I'm a better deep middle safety. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Jesse Bates, real good ball player. Uh, Marcus Williams, I think, right? I think like there's a there's a public visibility for Bates because of the Bengals' success because of his contract situation. I think, right, Marcus is 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 the better player, and that's an important thing to say. I can't remember where the ESPN guys had those two. I also think Bates was like the hipster guy early in his career. Is like, oh, if you're watching yeah. film, like you know how good Jesse Bates here's, is. Yeah, yeah. Here's ESPN's list: Justin Simmons, one, Minka, Kevin Byard. Derwin James, Buda Baker, Jesse Bates is sixth. Harrison Smith, seventh. We haven't mentioned Harrison Smith. We're doing Harrison Smith in 2022? 
Marcus Williams, eight. Antoine Winfield, nine. Jamal Adams, ten. Hmm. Justin, Justin, say, Justin say, Simmons say, at one? Say the line, Ruiz. They don't know ball. <laughs> Justin Simmons at one? Like, I like Justin Simmons. He's a good player. He's like an eight, eight out of ten, 8.5 out of 10. He is not the best safety in the league. You're out of your mind. Listen, it's the ball production. It, it, it is. It is. Left, it, it's the same thing as a quarterback list. Let's count numbers. Who's got big numbers? Right? Safe. Justin Simmons has... Has like nine more pass breakups than any other safety over the last like three or four years or something like that. I said, I said, I hate coverage stats for cornerbacks. I hate all stats for safety. I won't talk to you. I will, I will disown you if you use coverage stats for safeties. Coverage stats for safeties had people thinking that Anthony Harris was the best safety in the NFL for two years in a row. Guess what? He was bad. He wasn't, well, he well, wasn't like, the best safety. Is, he was not good. <laughs> Go birds. He, how do you even measure it? Like you just wait until they play cornerback, in which case it's cornerback stats. I, I don't know how they do it. No, but like, I guess if like someone throws a coverage stats, like actual coverage stats, it's, hard, it's impossible. Yeah, but, I, but I'm guessing like if they're playing like in the deep middle and someone throws like a pass over the deep middle, it counts yeah. as a target for them. I don't know. Right, but that doesn't that it doesn't, doesn't make at any all. Sense. Right, that's, a, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Don't, it's, don't yeah. We're stuff. in agreement. Yeah, it's very perplexing to understand how safety play is consumed in terms of like data and charting, because it, it is the most important thing functionally on the field to understand where the safeties are going and what they're doing. And it's the most difficult thing to quantify. And that's like, I think the biggest gap right now in, in how public facing analytics, what they tell, what it tells us about defense is that when you're a quarterback, the first thing you do is figure out where the weak safety is going. And right now, the hardest thing for a machine to do right now is to like chart coverage relative to what the weak safety did. Like when you look at like, just like, this is charted as cover three, cover six, whatever. It's always just like perplexing mm-hmm. in terms of how, like my understanding of the coverage relative to what it's being charted as. That's the the biggest gap right now in the world of, of football analytics, at least public facing. Those those cover three where the safety drops into like the linebacker area and cover six has charters in absolute hell. Yeah. <laughs> in <laughs> absolute hell. PFF, S, uh, Sports Info Solutions, all of them. Just kind of got him in a full Nelson, baby. Just... Tough look. Anything else about the safety position you guys want to bring up? Should we talk about Jamal Adams? The tenth best safety in the NFL, according to I am fine with Jamal Adams being a fringe top ten safety. Same. I'm fine with him being in the top ten. I think. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, he does have like a unique skill set in the sense that he's has he gotten has he gotten worse, or did we just all discover what he has always been? we all discovered what he's always been. He was incorrectly given... The, the trade package was too big and the contract was was yeah. big because of the trade package. The Seahawks spent too much on Jamal Adams and then did it again because they spent too much on him the first time. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. It means they spent too much on him, right? Uh, I, I do think that as the Seahawks transition to a world in which they main split field coverage, which is something that they intend on doing this year and they kind of put those tea leaves out last year, the limitations of Adams will become even more prevalent than they were when he was like being blitzed on 30% of passing downs and had 10 and a half sacks or whatever it was. Um, but he is, in terms of safeties that I like on running downs in be- uh, within 10 yards of line of scrimmage, one of the best in the league. And that is not the most valuable skill set a safety can have, 
but it is an impactful skill set. Yeah, I agree with all that. Cool. Well, the thing I would say with safety good, is good this. analysis. The thing I would say with safety is this: if trends continue forecasting out, and when we do this next mm-hmm. year, Javon Holland's going to be top five, baby, and that's going to be he fun was, as heck. He was right. He was right on the edge for for the executive now, list. I did. I knew I wasn't going to rank him, but I just watched him for a little bit, yeah. like back half of the season. Yeah, young man can play a little ball. <laughs> fucking flying around, man. Dude, the Dolphins might be good. Am I overstating this? Yep. Okay. Just making uh, sure. I, I disagree. I think they might be good. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. I think we might have a ball pit next week, boys, with one of the most famous Ooh. people in football. Heck yeah. Um, I think we might get them to break down um, kind of what we did with Justin Jefferson. We'll do a position group. We'll have them break it down. Um, we'll see how it goes. Either that or they're going to be someone who's day. We're still kind of negotiating that. Um, I'm going to LA today in about an hour um, to see everybody plan our NFL season. We'll be back next week. And then at some point during camp, pretty soon, we're going to start going more than once a week. So we've got some real cool news coming down the pipeline. And uh, we'll see you then. Thank you to Stephane Anderson for his production help with additional production supervision by Arjuna Rampal. It's been the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. 